This is Public Occurrences, both foreign and domestic. And now your host, Michael O'Fallon. If you were born around the same area that I was, which would be anywhere between the years of 1966 and 1979, well, there was one threat that all of us that grew up at that time knew was an ever-present reality. A true threat to anyone, a man, woman, child, or an animal, or to almost anything that encountered this deadly threat to humankind. It was a threat that all of us that enjoyed hiking or that loved to get off the beaten path faced as an ever-present reality. It was ever-lurking, ever-present, and every bit of precaution needed to be taken prior with plans as to how to survive its deadly grip. That monstrous threat, that threat that nearly every television show and movie at one point or another warned us about in the 1960s and 70s, was quicksand. Quicksand was the greatest threat to mankind that we have ever faced. All of us that were children that grew up in the 60s, 70s, and 80s knew that we had to take precautions against the deadly possibility of encountering quicksand. So real was the threat that when our neighborhood friends got together to begin a journey or adventure into the deep woods that surrounded our homes in Florida... We knew that we had to design logistical escape plans in case we were trapped in quicksand. I mean, we really did this. We created scenario after scenario of whose shirt would come off and then tied to what object and make sure that we talked about who would be heaviest possibly if he wasn't the one in the quicksand that would be the base and then we pull from there. We carried BB guns that could be used for quicksand leverage. We knew to not struggle or to fight, but to wait for friends to help pull us out of the dangerous path to certain death, known as quicksand. It was, according to all the shows like Fantasy Island or Gilligan's Island or The Incredible Hulk, or in many westerns and jungle-based movies, that quicksand was a real and ever-present threat. It was to us. Reality quicksand, because we saw it all the time, was a real threat. But that wasn't real. There was, in fact, virtually no threat to any of us that we would get sucked into the death vortex created by quicksand. But because there was an ever-present threat of quicksand in so many movies and TV shows in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, It was the primary threat to all of us if we dare walk off the pavement of our suburban neighborhoods. The perceived reality of the threat gave fear and preparation to prepare for an unreal threat. A fake threat. A threat that did not exist. In an article on the website Groovy History, the author of the article states the following regarding quicksand in arts and entertainment in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Quote, Why were we afraid of quicksand? 
On TV shows and in movies of the 60s, 70s, quicksand was a go-to plot twist that could be inserted virtually anywhere for a jolt of suspense. Quicksand scenes were common, far more common than actual life-threatening quicksand is in the world. The insidious and nearly inescapable wells of malevolent sand struck a disproportionate amount of fear into the hearts of those who are over 30 today. Yet thanks to Hollywood, young people spent an inordinate amount of time planning precisely how they would escape one of those death pits, should we ever happen upon one while we're out walking the dog. According to one quicksand enthusiast, quicksand appeared in nearly 3% of all movies made in the 60s. So what's the deal with quicksand? Well, in 1960, the quicksand trend was clearly gaining momentum. Quicksand played a role in Disney's Swiss Family Robinson and the hokey sci-fi film 12 to the Moon. Yes, we went to the moon and found quicksand there. And few directors could resist quicksand's persuasive tug as the stuff appeared in one out of every 35 movies in the 1960s. The ubiquity of gloppy, suffocating danger would eventually make its way into our everyday lives. By the time that Blazing Saddles, 1974, came out, quicksand scenes were a cliché to be ridiculed. But if you go back a few years, the most notable cinematic quicksand moment, the Citizen Kane of quicksand scenes, if you will, occurs in the 1962 epic Lawrence of Arabia. David Lean's biopic of T.E. Lawrence is one of the greatest films of all time. By the way, I would agree with that, especially cinematically in terms of their, well, anyway. And it won seven Academy Awards, including Best Picture. And yes, it includes a scene in which a major character dies when he's sucked into a vortex of quicksand. Apparently, the slow, inexorable pull from the earthly depths was too enchanting for even the best directors to pass up. Yes, there were some sketchy uses of quicksand as a plot device, possibly having to do with the fact that it was a special effect that literally any TV show could afford. But the most ridiculous and surprising instance of quicksand might have occurred in a 1967 episode of The Lucy Show, when Lucille Ball and Jack Benny found themselves mired in quicksand. As quicksand forced its way into the forefront, people began using its merciless, unrelenting pull to death as a metaphor for catastrophic current events. The first was the Vietnam War. Two books, Lucien Bodard's The Quicksand War and David Halberstam's The Making of a Quagmire compared the political mess of Vietnam to the slow asphyxiation of quicksand. Then, during Martin Luther King's incomparable I have a dream speech. He correlated the devastation of racism, both subtle and overt, to the demise one meets at the hands of quicksand. Quote, Now is the time to lift our nation from the quicksands of racial injustice to the solid rock of brotherhood. End quote. So, ironically, Hollywood eventually beat quicksand so far into the ground, it died out. According to a gentleman named Carlton Coos, an Emmy Award-winning writer and executive producer, filmmakers ran out of ways to use it. Quote, Adventure storytelling has to evolve. People use up gags. 
If you're working in an old genre, you have to figure out ways to make it fresh. I love, love, love adventure gags, but the best years of quicksand are in the past. Ask any kid today, as Slate did, and they just can't understand the visceral fear that comes with sinking into sand one inch at a time. Quote, I think people used to be afraid of it, end quote, says one fourth grader. Quote, it was before we were born, end quote, explains another. Quote, maybe it will come back one day. Yeah, that's kids today. You see, there was no threat to any of us suffering the most horrible of deaths, inch by inch slowly sinking to our demise. By quicksand. I mean, of course there is jelly sand in some areas of California and swamp bogs that could create a real problem. That really could end up getting you stuck. I know there were areas around my home in both Miami and in Palm Harbor, Florida. And then as well, when we were up in Elkton, Maryland, lots of clay and sand around the creeks and so forth. Well, that part is real. But for the most part, it was a fertile fallacy. There was a kernel of truth in the middle of the monstrous hyperbole. That is what a fertile fallacy is. A lie that contains some partial truth, but that is by and large a canard that has a whole different purpose than just the lie itself. You see, because a fertile fallacy is fertile. And once it is planted in the minds of those that first don't recognize it for what it is, a fallacy, it grows. Now, the fertile fallacy of quickstand does contain a kernel of truth. There are some very rare liquefied areas of sand that can create some real problematic issues in a few places on Earth. But there was never any real widespread threat of all of us getting sucked into and dying from quicksand. It was a made-up threat. And it worked on our minds. Because we saw it everywhere. Reflexively. But the constant awareness of the fake and phony presence and fake danger of quicksand propelled this unexistent threat into reality in our minds. It was a fertile fallacy spread far and wide. And this fallacy was so widespread reflexively in public consciousness that as we just saw, it ended up in the I have a dream speech of Martin Luther King. So no matter where you are right now, I want you to take a moment and just think. What issues and fears that we have today are quicksand? What issues or fertile fallacy problems are created and then, of course, trumpeted by the media and in films and in every commercial corporately that you see? Are we told to believe that are actually quicksand, that we have to prepare for how we're going to get ourselves out of quicksand, that it will pull us in slower and slower day by day? year by year, and then if we don't get out of quicksand quickly, if we don't learn how to deal with the threat of quicksand, by 2030, we're all going to be lost. And so without going too far into the myriads of perceived threats that are conjured up by reflexivity through the news media and arts and entertainment today, I just want you to remember that many of the threats that you're being told to change 
your entire life to combat. The threats created by politicians in the news, the threats that are in the media 24 hours a day, the threats that you are being told that you must change the way you eat, change the way you travel, change the way you live, change the way you identify yourself, change the way you speak, change the way you do anything. You know, threats like, let's go ahead and say it. Massive climate change, this crisis that we're being told to change everything for, that every nation must change our entire economic and social conditions to beat this fertile fallacy of the existential crisis of climate change. You also have the monstrous and horrible threat of COVID-19 and all of its constantly generated variants where the response to the virus is destroying the very fabric of our society and our economic structures. And I say this, folks, as someone who had COVID-19. And I would say this. Many people that have caught COVID-19 and were counseled by their doctors were told to take ibuprofen and go back home. And if any bad symptoms arose, then to come back in. But then that's the direct opposite of what my doctor told me. And he prescribed me hydroxychloroquine, gave me copious amounts of zinc, gave me prednisone, gave me all sorts of other things, D3, etc., a full regimen of things to start immediately. And I was basically over it in about three or four days after first initially getting a fever of 103 and starting symptoms. That's how quickly it was reversed for me. But instead... You have COVID-19 spreading still around the world, and the only thing that can be your savior from COVID-19, you're being told, is the vaccine. None of those other therapies are, oh, that's all conspiracy stuff. Oh, man, gosh. And the truth is, is that people that have had the vaccine are getting sick just as much as people without the vaccine, and they're spreading COVID-19, just as much as people that have not had the vaccine, but there is one class that is not spreading or catching it, and that would be the class that I'm a part of, which are those that have natural immunity. We can't do it anymore, but they're still telling us that we have to get vaccinated, which of course is not science. This is illogical, because it isn't about spreading or catching COVID-19 anymore. This is medical lysenkoism. This is all a fertile fallacy. And people are losing their livelihoods out of this. They're losing their jobs. They're losing their companies. The Lord knows I've lost millions in the last few years. Thankfully, I was able to prepare for some of it, but the well is running dry. But think about this for a moment. You have nations all over the world that are separating people by vaccination status with people that are unvaccinated and yet with the antibodies being told they can't go into restaurants, they can't go to their job, they can't do anything else, even though they have a much higher robust ability to not have the virus, to not transfer the virus, they're being told that they are the threat. The only thing that they are the threat to, of course, is this transition 
into a supranational state, into the surveillance state. That's really what's going on. So instead of responding to COVID-19 with real therapies that work, that have been proven to work, instead, they're pushing quicksand. That's what's happening. The response to COVID-19, the worldwide global response to COVID-19, is quicksand. Then you have something else which is very, very sticky, deadly quicksand. You have the grand conspiracy theory of critical race theory, which basically states that our entire society was purposed by evil white men to degrade and denigrate every other ethnic group and gender. As James Lindsay recently said, he said that basically critical race theory can be boiled down to those that are controlling things by way of diversity, equity, inclusion, by way of critical race theory, whatever institutions that they have control of, those are safe. But anything else that they do not have control of yet, those institutions are racist. That's what it boils down to. When you see something that's happening within your news or within our our justice system, like what just happened with Kyle Rittenhouse, like what's happening in Georgia with Armand Arbery, that again is going to be used as a way to always enhance the fact that there are people of a certain skin color or ethnicity with somebody on the other side of it that is not of that ethnicity, which is part of the oppressed group. Now, mind you that over the last two years, there have been thousands and thousands of crimes that have been committed by those that are African-American or Latino or Asian against white people. But you're not going to accelerate the contradictions by pointing that out. Because your goal is to make sure that you show that there is an oppressed-oppressor relationship going on. As a matter of fact, when an African-American man who was obviously completely deluded, who had multiple felonies, drives a car through a Christmas parade in Wisconsin, you're even going to be crazy enough with this insane quicksand ideology of critical race theory. What you're going to do is you're going to blame his running over the dancing grannies and little children, and you're going to try to say that he was doing it out of self-defense. That's how absolutely insane someone who's accepted the conspiracy theory, the quicksand of critical race theory. And of course, it's all followed by a wild-eyed, we must change everything now to this non-existent threat. I found it funny, we were in Philadelphia Airport just last night. And all throughout the airport, they were playing music from the 80s and early 90s. From a much more positive time, when we thought that we're going to have nothing but positive change in the world. Boy, they've destroyed that, haven't they? With critical race theory, intersectionality, and now the vaccinated, hating the unvaccinated. 
and vice versa. They have split us up. But all of these things, all of these fertile fallacies that we're being told must be at the forefront of our mind at all times. They're all quicksand. Crisis is created by our media and our information portals for the sake of the necessitation, really, of societal overhauls to respond to the fake, unreal threats. These are non-threats. They are quicksand. So it's the response to quicksand in everything that we must do, all the gear we have to carry with us, all the ropes and ladders and picks to prepare for quicksand just in case we run into it that we're all carrying around all the time now. And we are designing plan after plan to combat our modern-day quicksands. We are passing the most expensive spending bills in the history of mankind that will overhaul all of our current systems. I'm sorry, not just overhaul. Destroy all of our current systems of capitalism to bring in a toxic mix, a toxic stew of enviro-fascism, enviro-communism. That's what the Democrats are doing in the halls of Congress today. That's what all the world leaders were doing at COP26 in Glasgow with all these massive changes to be made for the 2030 UN Sustainable Goals. This is what China is telling us that we must do and do right now, even though they're going to do nothing about it, by the way. This is all so we can defeat their modern-day fertile fallacies, their modern-day threat of quicksand. And if you stand up and say, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, there really is no actual threat of quicksand. I mean, you need to be careful and all, and we need to find better solutions for what we do with the problem of trash and all and water. But all of your nonsense about build back better is just a response to the quicksand episode on Gilligan's Island. And that's what Build Back Better is. Build Back Better is the way to codify enviro-socialism, the way to codify an authoritarian government to destroy our old systems. It's basically the ladder and the ropes that you would carry around with you when you walked in the backwoods behind your house because you're afraid of quicksand. It's a response to a non-threat. The threat is build back better. That's the threat. The threat is the fourth industrial revolution. And when I say that, I don't mean the technologies that can come along with the fourth industrial revolution. Some of those are good. Some of them can serve mankind. But the idea of what you're doing in the fourth industrial revolution is that mankind will serve the technologies. You're flipping the script. That's what Build Back Better puts in place. Now, if you dare say anything like this, and I know I'm walking on a tightrope right now above the Grand Canyon, if you say any of that, you will be deplatformed. You'll be called a crackpot. Because you're basically stating that all of this is fake. This is phony. This is nonsense. And those that are demanding that you believe in the leprechaun-created quicksand 
are attempting to control you because of the things that they're saying are the dangers of quicksand. So just like how we used to have to prepare, at least we thought we did when we were kids before we went for a walk in the woods on who would basically form the human chain, who would use whose shirt to pull whom out, who would make sure that we have a rope in case someone goes in. That's the same thing that you do now when you walk into an airport. Danger. There's quicksand here. Everyone must prepare. That's the same thing that's happening in corporate boardrooms. You see, there's systemic racism out there, so we have to destroy everything and put everybody through diversity, equity, and inclusion training. You have to understand what a microaggression is. You have to understand what a microassault is. That's what you're doing. You're preparing for quicksand. So you have time to stand up right now. And it has to be right now. You have time to speak. Or else our entire nation, our entire civilization, will be sucked under by the digital hyper-reality postmodern myths of quicksand. I'm Michael O'Fallon, and this has been Public Occurrences, both foreign and domestic.